Stock have too high a price? Buy a slice. Trade fractional shares of your favorite U.S. stocks and ETFs in any dollar amount you choose with zero commissions online. Get started at fidelity.com slash stocks by the slice. Fractional share quantities can be entered to three decimal places if the value of the order is at least one cent. Dollar-based trades can be entered to two decimal places. Sell orders are subject to an activity assessment fee from one cent to three cents per $1,000 of principal. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. If your go-to card is a debit card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And there are no fees, period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. She mentions this quote, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And he says, Maya Angelou? And she just looks like totally dumbfounded that he recognized the quote and could attribute it. And I just love seeing people talk about a writer on this show that isn't like whoever wrote the five love languages. (laughs) Right. Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about the Bachelor franchise, where we lovingly snark on The Bachelor and Bachelor-adjacent shows. Whether you love The Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon. So this week on Matt James's journey to find love, we took one giant step forward and two even more giant steps backward. Sounds about right for The Bachelor. Uh, We actually ended this episode with somehow more women than we started with, and they managed to jack up the already high level of unpleasantness in the house. Truly incredible. Matt's task at this point, it just seems like Sisyphean. Like, the women keep coming. He has to keep rolling the rock up the hill. And I feel the same way as an audience member in search of a happy ending. Like, when are we going to make some progress here? We have a lot to talk about today. And here to join us, we have a new friend of the pod, Zara Rahim. She's a butt of ours, as well as a communication strategist who has formidable experience with approaching her work through the lens of diversity, equity and inclusion. She's worked for Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, Vogue. The list goes on. So obviously, you know, recapping The Bachelor is just right in in her wheelhouse. (laughs) The Bachelor matters to everybody. Good morning, guys. Thank you for having me. A deep honor and privilege um, to be able to express this really important part of my life, which is reality television. And I do have to admit that I am like a newer Bachelor um, fan. Um, I really just started watching probably about like three years ago. um, We'll accept you. Yeah. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Um, But yeah, I, I feel really honored and excited to talk about this, especially this season, which I think is there's just so much to unpack. Oh, there are <laughs> there are layers. Let's just say yeah. that there are many, many layers. And I think especially this week. So I'm really excited to have you. Before we get into the meat of the episode, we just wanted to do a quick call to action. Um, we'll get into it. But obviously, there was a lot of sex work shaming that went on during this episode. So we wanted to encourage our listeners 
if you can, to donate to the Urban Justice Center's Sex Workers Project to support advocacy for the human rights of sex workers because sex work is work, period. And we will be posting the link to that project in our show notes. All right. On that note, let's let's get started. Uh, they're continuing with these weird sort of out of context cold opens uh, from this season, which I continue to find annoying. But um, let's just get right past this week's cold open, which is a preview of Anna talking about how one of the women has been a sex worker. Let's rewind back to where we actually are, which is Sarah just left. And we haven't even had the final group date of last week yet, um, which kind of the end of that episode focused on Sarah's departure. Matt is sad. He's like, I have this connection. Now it's over. How am I going to find love? What if everyone else also leaves back at the house? The women are not sad at all. One might say that they're dancing on Sarah's uh, rhetorical grave. Um, MJ and Victoria in particular have some words. Um, Victoria at one point says the trash took itself out. All the women are sitting, as they always do, kind of crammed very close to each other on these couches. Victoria's like, the trash took itself out. And at this point, Katie seems a little fed up and says, oh, my God, can you just stop? She's not even here. Like, what's the point? Um, Victoria does not take kindly to this. No, she's like, I'll no, say whatever the fuck not. I want. Um, so we see that there's a burgeoning conflict here between Victoria and Katie that will become a thread throughout this episode. Oh, Yes, it will. I mean, Katie is just like a shining beacon in this episode of like modeling conflict resolution and boundary setting and like standing up for other people. I mean, goals like I hope to comport myself the way that that Katie does in a tough situation. Uh, and Victoria continues to be um, of uh, a Regina George. She's, I don't know if Regina George is even right because Regina George is, I think, a little bit more strategic in her. That's work. true. Um, and she has some skills. Victoria yeah. is, is messy. Victoria is just textbook like toxic. And it makes me, you know, I think it's Victoria is an interesting um, character because. She is somebody that I think from the beginning, when you're watching a reality television show, she's the one you're like, she's going to be the one that we're following throughout the season. It's going to cause the drama. And you know what I, I, I can't help but notice is that like the difference between the characters who are cast as these like villains, whether it's, you know, uh, a woman or a man, the expression of the toxicity is so much more severe when it comes from women. Um, mm -hmm. And it's unbearable to watch. And I think that, especially like now in a day and age when like bullying isn't cool anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's like not something that like anybody's like interested in or finds like, you know. No, there was something, there was something about the tenor of the conflict with Victoria and the way that she talks about the other women throughout this episode mm -hmm. that did feel 
um, very young and also like totally early aughts. Right. Old fashioned. It felt old fashioned. Very juvenile. (laughs) Yeah, it felt juvenile and like the kind of language that maybe I would hear when I was in high school. And that was a little while ago now. Um, And also, I think like the penultimate example of white privilege. Yeah, I, I, I cannot imagine. I cannot even think to imagine a brown or black woman even thinking to act like that on national primetime television week after week after week, speaking to women the way that she speaks to women and getting a good morning America spot the next day. And to talk about her mugshot, to talk about her toxic behavior, to talk about her strategy, it's infuriating. And I think that like, you know, while... Um, I think the the producers and the creators of The Bachelor, um, you know, thought that they've probably been doing something by, you know, adding more diverse um, candidates and and leads. Um, You know, I think that always um, pay attention to things like this, because I think it shows the greatest um, flaw in how people approach diversity, equity, and um, inclusion as it appears on screen and as examples, and also just how we internalize behaviors that we allow to persist and thrive, in fact, on television. Um, And, you know, we're talking about people like Mia Ponsetto one week and watching people like Victoria on television the other those two, the two violent behaviors that I think, and violent I use very, very explicitly, um, are not different to me. Um, the only difference is, is this person was cast onto a television show and acts this way and gets to go on Good Morning America and explain herself, right? Yeah. Right. I was going to say, she she gets rewarded and, and I think that her whiteness, and this is something we've brought up before, it's definitely... Um, a key part of this because yeah a woman of color on this show would never behave this way and have it like be framed in a semi-comedic cute way right she I think that there's there's almost a sense that because she is framed as a villain like she's getting some sort of justice but it's it's not proportionate to how wild she's acting like she literally seizes someone's crown from her head at one point in this episode like that is like a form of assault and it is treated as like this quirky thing that she's doing like some of the women think it's funny like Victoria's acting crazy um that's it's true it it would never be framed that way and I just know that and and it's funny that you bring up that like crown moment because I was so taken aback by that Um, And I think that even just the way that the episode is cut and the reactions that they show are just so like, you know, if it were me or any of my friends, I mean, you know, I'm not a physical person by any means, but (laughs) I, I probably would have gotten up and walked off set. Like, I just would have been like, this isn't, you know, this is not for me. Like, yeah. She's become very canny about who she targets. Like, in the beginning, it was kind of spewing in every direction, right? Like, everyone was an enemy. Like, I hate all of you bitches. I just want to be with Matt. But since then, she's really learned how to target or learned or just, I guess, had the opportunity to narrow it to 
women who the group is against for some reason. And in this mm-hmm. case, it was a woman that no one wanted to see there because she was new. She had no relationships with the other women present. No one wanted her to be there. So for Victoria to go after her um, is very smart for Victoria. Mm-hmm. No one wants to stand up for this woman. And, you know, that is the thing. It's like we can think that bullying is like passe. But in the moment when someone is being aggressive in that way, it, there there is always it's always seductive to be like, I'm on her team. I'm not the totally. person that this is being directed against. And so we're seeing how how these things form and play out uh, in real time on this show. Um, but we're going to get into a lot of that later. So <laughs> let's uh, let's go to this this group date that never happened from last week. We never see the date card read and we don't see a day date. Remember when Claire canceled the day date and it was like the crime of the century? There's no day date here as far as we can tell. (laughs) And it's never mentioned. Um, No. It appears to be MJ, Abigail, Chelsea, Maggie, Mari, and Piper. Maybe I'm missing some people. We just kind of like get a couple couch shots of them, but there's never like a list read out of who's on the date. Um, And so why do you think that is? Why do we think that is? I don't know. I mean, maybe he needed. They were like, he needs some time to mourn this loss of Sarah, or something happened. Sarah departure was that morning because it's mentioned a couple times. Like this morning was rough with Sarah leaving. Yeah, so it it might have just gotten canceled, and uh, the women were just, I don't know, more more gracious about it than (laughs) with Claire, or or, is not in line with their usual. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, or they just cut all of it, and we're like, okay, now you're at a cocktail party. I mean, (laughs) but we do get um, a really nice moment between Chelsea and Matt during this date, which was like one of the the highlights of the episode for me. Um, Chelsea brought some photos of her and her mom and um, where her hair hair was longer and braided. And she she talks about how emotional hair can be specifically for black women and the anxiety that she felt growing up um, and the pressure to chemically straighten her hair because she did grow up a- around a lot of white people. Um, and I thought that was like mm-hmm. a really cool moment to see discussed on The Bachelor. Yeah. I wish that Matt had like engaged with her a little more. Well, Matt didn't engage with her because he doesn't know how to engage with her about yes. that. And, you know, I think, um, you know, <laughs> And I've told you like about my kind of broader issues with the with this with this season and 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 what I think is happening. And Chelsea is like a twelve out of ten. Um, yep. And I think from episode one, anybody with two eyes like was just like this girl is popping. Like she was, you know, really powerful and you know felt grounded. And you know, the few times we had kind of. Um, you know, experienced her voice or her presence. Um, it was very, you know, she was she was lovely. And I think that one of the things that I think is like really interesting about this season and, and one of the things that I actually struggle with um, with shows like The Bachelor, um, you know, that I obviously admittedly enjoy and consume um, is that when we're talking about representation, how so many black and black women particularly and the black women that I know and love um it's hard to see these moments 
um, and these conversations as not exploitative um, in the sense of um, it does beg the question of like, would this have been a conversation in any other context? Would this have been uh, between two black people, right? Um, talking about, um, you know, Eurocentric beauty standards or, you know, um, straightening of, of her hair. Um, and so, you know, I, while I am glad that people watched that scene and saw that that is something that um, black women, um, and especially a, a darker skinned black woman talking about her experience with her hair and beauty and how she, you know, had to, um, adjust the way she looked based on her surroundings and the people around her. Um, I wonder if that is, you know, the thing that she wanted to talk about. Um, and if that was how she wanted that, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, you know, conversation with him to be structured. Um, and so like, of course, like, you know, it, it, it's important. I'm glad people saw it. Um, but sometimes I think that at the expense of, of their seeking of um, love, which is why they're there, which is why they signed up for this show, are they having to exploit these parts of themselves that are only being exploited or talked about? because, um, you know, The Bachelor forgot to cast, um, you know, black people for 20 something years. No, I think that's a, a really, really good and important point. And I think that that's something that the, the Bachelor specifically struggles with more generally in terms of like leaning into people's experiences of oppression or trauma in some way in order mm -hmm. to force a connection with the audience and it's this like weird mm -hmm. dance of we are watching we are watching you know people look for love but also we're aware and they're aware that this is being broadcast to a really wide audience and also like the women of color who go on the show um are not unaware that the majority of people watching are white so there is this mm -hmm. like element I mean I think I always feel like like for in terms of Chelsea I'm like what a generous mm -hmm. moment what a generous gift she's giving Wildly to the so. uh, to the audience mm -hmm. to sort of invite us in especially um white people into mm -hmm. into that moment um but mm -hmm. I agree it's like you you hope that that's something that she wanted to talk about and not something that you know production pushed her to discuss yeah and and I think it's tough just especially after you know episode one where Matt was very explicit about the fact that you know and and many black women have reacted to this you know him saying well you know I just think that everybody expects me to end up with a certain type of woman and I think that um you know these two seasons particularly after last summer um, you know, uh, with, with Tasha and, and, and with Matt, um, incredibly important, incredibly, incredibly overdue. Um, but just these scenes that feel like, for example, this, the scene that was highly emotional between Tasha and Ivan, I felt like I wasn't supposed to be watching that. Um, you know, I felt like I, I, if, if they had, if they had just even given a, a cut scene of like, we just had a really emotional conversation about blackness. 
um, that would have been enough for me um, because ultimately like being able, having to talk about George Floyd, having to talk about blackness, having to talk about, you know, the, the, you know, uh, living in, in a violent white supremacist, you know, structure that is America uh, national television on a show that is about dating <laughs> um, is is a lot, and it's a it's a huge responsibility with the millions of people who are coming, you know, and sitting on their couches and watching this show every week um, to bring these heavy topics to the forefront of 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 um, these dates. And so, you know, it, it, it's it's again. Um, I'm not going to knock anybody for trying. Um, I hope and and pray that they get better about making the presence of, um, you know, people's racial identities or any sort of uh, marginalized identity, um, you know, um, something that comes at the the uh, behest of the the um, you know the the bachelor or you know the contestants, but you know. It's it's difficult to watch for I think a lot of people of color, particularly black people. Um, but you know, I I I think that um we have to start somewhere and, and hopefully it'll only get better. Yeah. And I think, you know, the in these these moments like the the scene with, with Chelsea, um there's an inorganicness to to it that the bachelor tends to stumble into in these moments where you start to feel like did they set up a sort of very special episode scene for the audience? Um, and that's not really what Chelsea is supposed to be there for, as you say. Also, I just I just love a girl from Brooklyn. I want to hang out with Chelsea. Everybody wants to hang out with Chelsea. But I actually think that that's what's most interesting. You know what I mean? I think so many people saw Chelsea and were like, want to know more about her. Do you know what I mean? Like I want like they like everybody kind of wanted her more centered as one of those like leading ladies. And I think that like the moment that she got was centered on her hair. And I think that that is like something that, you know, again, speaks to, you know, you, you can't write or you can't produce what you don't know. Um, mm-hmm. And, yep. um, you know, it, it, it's, I hope that we see more of her. I hope that it's an authentic kind of representation of, um, you know, how she wants to be presented. And if she was the one who was like, I want to talk about this. Fantastic. I hope that that was, you know, what happened. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, I I think that it's yeah we'll see. <laughs> and sh- and she gets the group date rose, um, which we love to see. And she says, you know, it was a big moment for me. And um, she she lives to see another week. So we want more Chelsea. And back at the house, Victoria tries to pull Katie aside and like get the upper hand over her. And I need to, we need to talk about this interaction because I thought Katie just did like an absolutely masterful job of shutting Victoria down. And Victoria appeared like absolutely flustered after this. Yeah, this is the thing that we're ending up seeing actually is that pretty much the only women who are getting like centered on the show are the women who are engaged in like a ton of conflict within the house. Like, I feel like I don't know anything about anyone really, mm-hmm. except like how much do the other women hate them? Um, <laughs> so Victoria and Katie had this conflict earlier about shit talking Sarah, who is now gone. 
Victoria now sits down with Katie and says, I didn't like how you shut me down in front of the group earlier, and you've done it several times. I'd like an apology because you stopped me talking before I was done expressing myself. Imagine like the entitlement of of feeling that you deserve an apology after that interaction. It's like, wow. You got to ask for what you want, Emma. That's feminism. Oh, right. Yes. I'm sorry. I forgot. (laughs) I forgot. I'm I'm writing. I'm writing it down. How to be a better feminist. How to be a feminist. Take notes. And Katie's just like, uh, well, you're not getting an apology and uh, expressing yourself and name calling are two different things. And Victoria says, no, that's how I express myself and I'll do it whenever I want. And Katie's like, great. Go for it. Sure. And Victoria says, if you want to express yourself by waving a dildo around and thinking you're ready for marriage, go for it. And Katie's like, sure. Look, it's well known that if you have a vibrator, you are not ready for you marriage. Have to, you have to consciously uncouple from your sex toys before you're ready for a husband. Um, you need to create a void in your life that a man can fill. Just ma- it makes me worried for um, Victoria's uh, sex life with herself that she... She believes mm-hmm. you must, like, give up your vibrator. It's all <laughs> just fucking signaling. Like, it's like, I know that, like, I, that people think this is silly and embarrassing. I probably have a vibrator at home, but I'm gonna, you know, use this as a tool to, like, make this other person look gross. And it does not work. And it doesn't work. Katie's like, yeah, I like my vibrator, and I know what I like, and I know what I want. And so, like, what are you trying to accomplish here? It's not going to work. There's a lot of sex shaming this this episode. So much. So much. Yeah. So much. yeah. I mean, um, yeah. And it finally winds up with Katie's like, well, I'm not going to apologize. And Victoria says, well, if you try to shut me down like that again, uh, I wouldn't try it which is a very neutered threat um, that I don't think really hit hit Katie very hard. Um, but this is like a scene where like you see Victoria trying to to do her her shenanigans that she does and it's all just bluster. Like if you're not shaken by her assaults of demands and insults, then there's really not much she can do to you. I would be very shaken by it because I would immediately be like, maybe I was wrong to shut Victoria down in front of everyone. I should apologize, but it doesn't work on Katie. And we move on to the cocktail party. I'm totally at sea, as always, when they don't do the usual end with a rose ceremony. I'm always like completely at sea as to where we are in the episode at any You're point. You're like, oh, but. right. Yeah. <laughs> Some women have to go home, I guess. There's a cocktail party. Um, but we do see this is the beginning of Anna starting to unravel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Anna's really, really having issues with, you know, she's not getting time. She's not getting to know Matt. Um, but she does start the cocktail party very hopefully by saying, you know, we all saw last week that, you know, get going at each other over little things really affected Matt. And we're not going to do that this week. Foreshadowing, of course, her being the ringleader of going after each other over little things. And Victoria has decided to pull him first. Anna wants to pull him first. They always do this. Like, in the end, it's everyone wants to pull him first. Um, but Victoria's decided she's Elsa this week. She's like, I'm Elsa and you're Anna. So let it go, bitch. 
She's gotta go. She's gotta go, guys. I mean. Oh my god, Zara! For no one else can see, but Zara just has her like head in her hands, fully. Like, like every every beat that we that we recap, she's like, no. She's toxic, but like she's also hurt. Like I feel really badly for her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I yeah. I think we can like obviously we can we can sit here and like laugh about how crazy she is but it takes a very specific type of hurt person to act this way like over and over and over and like casually inflict harm like over and over and over on like like legit strangers <laughs> do you know what I mean yes, like, right and and then present in a completely different way to like the main character like we all know somebody like this at work do you know what I mean who like is just you're just like oh my gosh like something happened to you and I'm trying to reach into my my empathy well and just be like something happened to this girl that like caused her to like lash out and act this way and feel like the only way that she can get attention is by hurting other people and I feel really bad for her I feel really bad that like that's like the only like model of like showing up as herself that she's ever experienced clearly and it's really really sad it is like a classic bachelor villain type in a way, although she presents a little bit differently than than some in the past. Like I think she feels like more like a plant to a lot of people, um, just because of how extreme it is or something. But it's pretty classic. Like she sees this all as like a battle for dominance, and so she, in that sense, there's no like right or wrong there's you know you can complain about other people behaving in a manipulative or toxic way but you see nothing wrong with planning to manipulate people or hurt them or bully them as long as it gets you what you want um it's just like a worldview that is totally shaped around like predator and prey like am i Mm -hmm. on top of the pile that's all that matters there's nothing wrong with doing what you have to do and like that clearly comes from like experiencing life that way um like experiencing probably being treated that way since a young since very young and it she does definitely seem like she's hurting to me so matt comes in and they they start the cocktail party any interactions with any of the women stand out to you guys from this first bit of the night before things all go to hell? He talks to Piper. He talks to Kit. He talks to Katie. He has a nice moment with Bree, who I continue to really, really enjoy. Yeah. Um, they seem to have like a genuinely sweet sort of back and forth chemistry. Um, and I, I hope we get to see see more of her, which I think we will. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also liked that this episode, we got a little bit more Piper and Mm -hmm. he seems to like Piper and she seems to be really into him. Um, And, you know, she talks about how she's like a strong woman and she she doesn't back down. She likes that Matt has a strong woman in his life in terms of his mother. uh, Mm -hmm. And we get a little make out there. So I think we're starting to see we're starting to see Matt, like, you know, form some genuine romantic connections. 
Um, this this is why like the beginning of the season is always tough for me because it's so much more focused on, especially with The Bachelor, often like the women being shitty to each other than it is um, on, you know, the lead like dating people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we get a couple, a couple little glimpses of of what could come during this first part of the cocktail party. And then Matt sits down with Victoria and she starts to kind of confide in Matt. This is where we see the, the sort of tender side of her that we only really see one-on-one <laughs> when she's trying to get someone to show their soft underbelly. And so she confides in Matt that she's having a hard time. Um, she hasn't been able to talk to him much. She usually knows whether guy's into her or not, and she needs that reassurance. And he's like, yeah, for sure, I want to do that. And then who should walk up but Chris Harrison to make sure that that can't happen? I Okay, so I was struck by this interaction between Victoria and Matt because, you know, it's just so obvious that he's not into her. And I think that's also part of the reason that, like, her deep well of insecurity makes me feel, like, even ickier and sadder because it's pretty obvious that, like, Matt doesn't have reassurance to offer her because he's not into her and she's there Mm -hmm. to cause drama in the house. Um, And I think it felt especially, like, icky to me this week because, Zara, I'm not sure if you saw, but there is a video um, circulating on social media this week where... Matt and a couple of his like bros were out golfing because of course this happens on a golf course and one of the dudes um, starts making fun of Victoria and talking about how he her body didn't look that nice and like body shaming her while all these dudes like laugh about it in the background Mm, just like full full PJ Tobin squee behavior yeah exactly exactly yeah, like it seems like the their friend, their friend, it's Tyler and Matt and their friend who is sort of caddying, I guess, <laughs> is trying to throw Matt off a putt by making these, by kind of jabs at him, I guess. Uh, by using a woman's body as an example. Oh, okay. Right. And then there's another thing where like someone gets a phone call and the guy's like, oh, it must be those like colombian strippers calling like just like a window into the kind of objectifying demeaning conversation that you just would hope the guys in your life are not having about women when you're not there um and it seems it was posted on social and then this clip was kind of grabbed and passed around that's unfortunate but honestly not surprising you know like i i I think that like I think that so much of this show, you know, (laughs) I admittedly have gotten my my boyfriend to if you met like would you would be jarred that he watches this show with me. Um, But he, you know, we've been watching and we've I think like one of the things that I think I find so interesting is this kind of, you know, like the way that they make these that they seem when so many of us, especially like, you know, women who live in metropolitan cities or, you know, know this exact type of guy, right? Like it's like 
Matt works in the financial district and he has friends in Murray Hill and like he goes to all the bars that we know um, he, he goes to and um, and this kind of like being able to watch the like the production around making this person like seem like this dreamboat and then seeing a clip and not being remotely surprised and being like yeah absolutely that's who this guy is right like there's no question beyond a shadow of a doubt um that you know many men um you know uh, participate in toxic conversation about at the expense of women um and it's a massive problem um and you know what is going to be most interesting is to see if he addresses it you know and and to see if he says sorry um or if he says you know i actually shouldn't surround myself with men who speak that way about women it doesn't matter um you know who they are how close they are to me it's unacceptable and i don't want to model that sort of behavior it's just the the millions of people who watch this show and the women who watch this show who are out there seeking love on their own terms um and so yeah i don't know i has he issued a statement or has anything come out from not that i've seen and i unfortunately my like guess is that he might just leave it and try to ignore it i mean classic um bad behavior around influencers but i i will be interested i i would hope that he does eventually address it, but I guess I suspect that there is a sense that because Victoria is not popular with the audience and because even a lot of fans, Emma and I were talking about this earlier, a lot of fans have made fun of her body and her, she does stand out for having had a much more natural look and like a different approach to her outfits. (laughs) They're just like, multiple shaming types of comments about women in such a short span of time. Um, mm-hmm. It really seemed like a very normalized thing in that group. And, and that's hard to see. Um, but I, I do think it's very common among men. Like I, I think often we talk like, Oh, body shaming is really a female thing. We do it to each other. No men do it <laughs> like in really nasty we, ways. We, we do and it because men taught us to do it just to be Yeah, clear. exactly. Yeah. That's why we, that's yeah. why we do it. The patriarchy, right. man. Anyway, um, <laughs> moving on. But yeah, so Chris interrupts and he's like, Matt, I need to talk to you. Why does he need to talk to him? Because there are five more women Arriving, Matt didn't have enough women to try to get to know and date um, with 32. So we needed to add a few. Uh, And the other women kind of watch in horror as these, as even more ladies arrive out of a limo. They're all watching from the window. We meet Brittany from Chicago, who just immediately grabs Matt's face uh, and makes out with, with him, which was there's a little questionable consent there. Um, yeah, I hate the surprise kisses. Like, it's never a good look. It's never a good look. Even are the producers like, okay? Like, what's happening over they're, there? No, <laughs> they're definitely not. They're definitely not. They've Zara. got cabin fever. <laughs> they're acting out. 
Yeah, they're like, there's not enough uh, women fighting with each other. So we need to There's too to many rooms in this chateau. We need more women. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We, we have some openings. 37 total women on this season. Like, I don't think that Matt seems like he needs more women. He already seems to like everyone and be really confused. Um, so... Brittany walks in, and she's the first woman, new woman, so she gets the immediate hostility of the whole house. Um, Victoria's like, oh, so you came as backup and quarantined and stayed, and so they just sent you in as backup. And Brittany's like, they wanted to save the best for last. And Victoria's like, I don't think so. And Brittany's just like, okay. Like, how do you even... How do you even interact with someone who's behaving that way? Uh, this is also the, where where we get Victoria um, calling her a slore, which, it, Ugh, again, really took me back to, like, the worst behavior of, yeah, of, of just, high school. Like, just very bizarre. Like, middle, middle school. Middle school. Yeah. Middle school, yeah. Middle school. I mean, I, like, I, it was very off-putting. I mean, to say the least, off-putting. We also meet Michelle, a teacher from Minnesota, who seems lovely and Matt seems very excited by her energy right away. Mm-hmm. We get Ryan, another Brooklyn girl. Again, I love to see it. Kimberly, an ICU nurse who is wearing this just like very um fashion forward two-piece set and like has a cute bob. Again, just like we generally don't get a lot of fashion risks in a good way on this show. Also, mm-hmm. um, see a hairstyle that isn't like Instagram tousled, like waves, long like, waves. Like, Everybody, I, I always say seen. this on the like on those like first you know reveals dates. What are like what 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 is it called? Like the when the limo you know, exits. Yes. Everybody looks like they're wearing a dress from those like prom catalogs that I used to go through in high school. And I want to help so badly. You know what I mean? And it's it's like who is telling these women that they need to go to like the prom section at BCBG Max Azria at oh my God, and and like <laughs> Kimberly's dress was very divisive I, like I saw a lot of hate for it on Twitter and I disagree I loved it and I loved her bob with the bumped ends I thought so she cute. looked poppin she was giving us a Missoni moment yes. like early yes it was gorgeous yeah she oh my god great. I was so here for it um, yeah. and finally Catalina And she is the one who arrives in a crown because she has actually earned that crown as Miss Puerto Rico Universe. Yeah, so she walks in. Victoria looks like her soul has just been taken from her body. (laughs) Um, Her eyes go completely dead. She calls Catalina over and she's like, well, I'm the queen, so I think I should have the crown. And Catalina laughs sort of nervously because what kind of behavior is this? I've also Um, been here for 30 seconds. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, she's like, I don't know who this yeah. woman is. Like, okay. And Victoria just reaches up, remains sitting the whole time, which honestly I found a little rude in itself. Like, she's like, come over to where I'm sitting. And then without even getting up, reaches up, grabs the crown off of Catalina's head and takes it and put it on, puts it on her own head. This was like another moment where I felt like her whiteness was really front and center. Like the fact that she felt entitled to take this crown off of this woman's head. And then Catalina was left to sort of like de-escalate the moment as the newcomer, as a woman of color. Like it was, it was gross and made me feel very weird. I just found the whole scene extremely symbolic. 
you know what I mean? Like, just like this, like, again, you know, the idea of like, I have not earned this title, this crown. I have, there's no world that I have completely drawn up this reality to contribute to a story that makes me, you know, semi-interesting. And then, you know, in walks somebody with the actual qualifications and title and, you know, and she takes it from her because that is how whiteness works. And just back to Victoria, it's just like, it's all I can think about when I see her is just like, I can't, it's so out of pocket. It is so just violent to watch because you're just like, oh my God, like you don't even realize that every day you wake up and like choose to be the most toxic, like, like violent version of yourself and violence. I mean, emotionally, mentally, you know, um, uh, the harm that you, you choose to, um, exude, to be this certain character um, and have this character arc um, just shows me that she has not, she's walked through her entire life without having any consequence. Um, And so, yeah, I, I just, that, that moment to me, I just was like taken aback um, as I had said earlier, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, She literally, she's literally trying to like steal Catalina's shine and like a very, a very, almost symbolic sense Mm -hmm. and there aren't Mm -hmm. really consequences someone just basically is like oh you're Elsa tonight Elsa doesn't wear a crown and Victoria just takes it off and throws the crown away um and that's the end of the interaction um meanwhile Anna has recognized Brittany from her circles in Chicago she doesn't know Brittany um but she has heard about her she's gotten messages she's heard that she's quote like sketchy she's heard that she quote fucking sucks She's heard that she's definitely not there for Matt. So this is where Anna really decides to lead the charge against Brittany, which becomes a big part of the episode. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll have a whole lot more on the very painful women shaming other women of this episode. So it's been a few years now, but I still look back on my time planning my wedding so fondly. I mean, I was so excited to get married to my partner and to plan a big party that really reflected who we are and our friend groups and our families. And it was also very complicated and there were lots of moving parts. It wasn't always easy. Well, Claire, maybe you should have used Zola because you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place with Zola. Yes, I've thought this many times in the years since. I mean, with Zola, you have free planning tools like a customizable checklist and website. There's a venue and vendor discovery tool that matches you with your dream team. I mean, everything on Zola is just designed to make your wedding journey as easy as possible. And with invites that are super fun to create and a wedding registry packed with gifts that you actually want, Zola takes you from save the date right to think so much without breaking a sweat. When I was planning my wedding, honestly, it was just so hard to keep track of every component of the planning process. It would have been so much easier in retrospect and let me enjoy the really fun parts of planning a wedding more if I just had everything centralized. And that is exactly what Zola makes so easy. I mean, 
That is like the number one advice I would give anyone planning a wedding today. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. Are you one of those people who thinks they don't have time to prioritize wellness? If so, Allo Moves is here to change your whole mindset. From beginner to advanced, Allo Moves has the flower class that will fit your whole schedule, even if your schedule is very complicated and ever-changing like mine is. And their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what you're feeling that day, which is so convenient. They've got award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, HIIT classes, or reformer Pilates workouts. Truly, truly have it all. Because you can also find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and journaling for those quieter moments. I am one of those people who really struggles to prioritize wellness. I did before I had kids, and now it's even harder because you're always doing pickup or drop-off. You're making a lunch. You're like dealing with some need that your children have or you're working. And Allo Moves allows me to just fit those workouts in, in those spare moments when I find myself with an extra 30 minutes of time, I can do a yoga class. I can do something that gets my heart rate up and it really works with my lifestyle. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Allo Moves. Go to allomoves.com now and use code LTSI20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com code LTSI20. allomoves.com code LTSI20. I am someone who is perpetually facing the issue of my closet is messy and full, and yet I feel like I have nothing to wear. Mm -hmm. But Quince has been an absolute game changer for my style. Same. If I really need a new luxury basic, I know where I'm going to find one that is going to fit the bill, work for a lot of different occasions and styles. And I'm also going to stay on budget, which is a huge plus. They have items like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for just $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14-karat gold jewelry. The best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passing... uh, and passes the savings on to us. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for their wardrobe basics. Like I have a really amazing leather blazer from Quince, but I also have gotten really into like their luggage and travel accessories. I just purchased an incredible neoprene weekender bag and it is such high quality. The color is beautiful. And I spent about half as much as I would have spent on a very similar product from a fancier brand name. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash LTSI. If you're a wine lover, here's a little secret. There is a personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks. It's called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to discover new wines you're guaranteed to enjoy. To start, you just answer a few questions on their website about what flavors you like, how often you drink wine, and if you prefer red, white, or rosé. As always, I love a quiz. (laughs) And based on the answers that you give, First Leaf curates a really amazing selection of wines. 
just for you. Later, when you rate those wines, your wine selection gets even more tailored. Choose when the wine is delivered and how often to get new assortments of wine. If you want wine pairing advice or to talk about the wines in your box, you can always speak with one of their First Leaf experts. As someone who loves wine but really doesn't know much about why I like certain bottles and what it goes with, this is such an incredible way to get to know your own taste in wine better. I know. I totally agree. I got to try the Chenin Blanc from South Africa that is part of First Leaf's premium wines collection, and it was so good, and it was not something that I would have necessarily picked out myself a quiz and good wine. I mean, everyone's winning here. (laughs) Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash LTSI to get your first box. That's T-R-Y firstleaf.com slash LTSI. Tryfirstleaf.com slash LTSI. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. As they should, learning a language is so important. So if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel, the science-backed learning language app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks, which is kind of wild. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college, aka so, so many days of waking up for an 8.30 class that I maybe didn't need to do at all. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Personally, I've been trying to brush up on some basic French because I am headed to go work from Paris for a few weeks and... It's been really helpful because my French is not good, but now I don't have to sound like such an idiot. (laughs) You can never sound like an idiot, but Babbel can definitely help. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. And now back to the show. But first, it's time for the rose ceremony. And the roses go to MJ, Piper, Bree, Maggie, Michelle, Mari, Ryan, Kit, Serena C., Abigail, Katie, Victoria, Lauren, Brittany, Jusenia, Anna, and Catalina. This means that going home are Kim, Kayla, and Kylie. Sarah already went home this week. But we are still ending this with more women than we started with. We are at 20 women, and it's week four. That's all. That's all I want to say about that. Um, and the women have decided to go, like, full Lord of the Flies here. They're, like, we're forming tribes. They're the OGs and the new girls. The OGs. <laughs> Four new girls have gotten roses. And they're not deserving. They're ignorant. They don't deserve any of Matt's attention. How dare they be here? They think this is going to be a cakewalk. It's not. Um, this brings out a really, uh, unpleasant side of a lot of the women. We're really starting to see MJ become, like, a ringleader of the unnecessary, nasty talk. Um, just basically dragging these women for the situation of them arriving a little bit later rather than anything mm-hmm. even, like, inherent. Which sucks, because I was rooting for MJ. Me too. Same. I was she's rooting really for MJ. Down. 
But of course, she revealed herself in in a way that I was like, oh, of course, I should. Yeah, have. yeah. yeah never mind. <laughs> never, never get attached. She still really looks like Emma. Emma's in my friend like a lot. So it's who's like the most wonderful person in the entire world. So it's very unsettling whenever I see MJ talking shit. Um, so the next day, the, another date card arrives. Um, Mari, Bree, Abigail, Brittany, Ryan, Catalina, Maggie, Anna, and Victoria. Let's fall in love. And Ben Higgins is there and he is there to just, you know, shepherd Matt James through this with all of Ben's signature, um, like Midwestern politician energy. Yeah, and- this is where I this is where I get lost because as I told you, I'm like a new um bachelor fan. So I'm like I just assume everybody is like from like 10 seasons ago and I'm like, "Oh, that's nice," you know. Like Ben was one of the first seasons that we covered. Um Okay, got it. And uh so he's hosting a date which is a autumnal squirrel themed obstacle course for love in which they have to sort of paddle in hollowed-out pumpkin canoes, wear squirrel costumes, carry acorns for love. It's not a great date, but at least they're not naked and hitting each other, uh, which is a real thing. Um, Yet, right? (laughs) Not on this date. Um, Mari wins the uh, obstacle course, and in theory she gets more time with Matt, but we don't really see that. Um, And so instead we go basically right to the night date uh matt is in a camel turtleneck and blazer his outfit his his fashion is um i don't always love it but it it is bold and i always take notes on it which i usually don't with the back yeah, his day date looks tend to be like layered plaid there's always two layers and there's always a plaid <laughs> element and then at night they can go uh. for the blazer you know it's a full day to night uh, transformation. It, I gotta be honest, guy. It just reminds me of every fraternity guy I've ever known. I know he's trying a bit more than others, but I just am like, it just. It's and he's just, getting it, styling him, help, yeah. Zara. Like this is like a professional has helped him. I know, I know, and you know that person is collecting a check and good for them. Um, but you know, I hear you though. It's it's definitely better than like most. Seasons, I mean, it's not, I, it's, but, again, it's like yeah. I don't really like it usually, but it is just like different, notable from yeah, what totally. I usually see on the show. I think show. largely because because they're having to really lean into the fall season fully. Yeah, you know? a lot of yeah. turtlenecks. <laughs> um, so he sits down with Anna first, and and then very quickly they're interrupted by Brittany. Anna says, "You know, I want to keep him," and Brittany's like, "Well, I haven't had any time." Um, this is a bold move by Brittany, considering that Anna hasn't really had much time either. Um, but you got to fight for Matt's attention if that's what you want. Also, classic Bachelor move, classic thing that producers do, send women in to interrupt. I mean, this is this is not new. Yeah. And, but this seems to, like, set Anna off. And this is when she decides to, like, full on... Uh, like begin to bully slash spread rumors about Brittany being an escort. Right. She's just mm-hmm. like a tinderbox. This was the match that she needed to be like. Yeah, exactly. She really clearly wanted to go public with this rumor um, ever since Brittany walked in. And now she's giddy that she has like what looks like a, a really good reason to do it, which is this personal slight by Brittany. Um, and she goes to Victoria and is like, 
yeah, I heard rumors that she's entertaining men for money, as she puts it. She knows all the rich men in Chicago. She may be having a transactional relationship with men. This is just so was so upsetting to me on so many levels. I mean, first of all, there there is a really strong stigma against sex work. So like whether or not this is true, her putting a rumor out there on national television about Mm -hmm. another woman could have like real lasting consequences for Brittany. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, it speaks to the fact that there is such a fucked up stigma about sex work and that we Mm -hmm. don't treat sex work as, you know, labor that is, that should be entitled to like labor protections and and Mm -hmm. the respect of that being labor. And so because we stigmatize sex work, it, it is able to be weaponized in this way. Um, Just the whole thing felt incredibly, incredibly gross. Yeah, and and I'm so glad we're talking about this because there is such a um, information gap that exists about sex work and um, the movements around sex work um, that are incredibly important um, to, um, you know, uh, both the rights of femme um, and um, women-based movements um, and I and I even personally have learned so much just in the last two years and unlearned so much in how I talk about sex work and how I talk about sex workers. And um, and yes, as you said early in the episode, sex work is work. Um, and I think that what's really, I think, fascinating to me as somebody also who like worked in politics, like just watching something like this, knowing that there are millions of people at home who are, um, you know, ions beyond behind on on even knowing how to perceive or talk about sex work in a progressive way, um, and yeah, like the the danger that comes with exposing a sex worker is real. It kills people, um, and I think that that is something that I wish that there was some sort of, um, you know. Uh, ending for the episode that talked about sex work or acknowledged um, that outing sex workers um, using their real names is extremely, extremely dangerous. Um, And um, I hope that it gets addressed. But yeah, absolutely. I think, again, it it does address and I think highlight a larger issue amongst um, women um, and, and femme presenting people about how we talk about um, you know, this in a way that actually does not shame people. Um, and yeah, I, I, I found the whole thing, um, you know, extremely like where I even was like three years ago. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah. 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 It was really, it was really hard to watch, um, the way that this was clearly just being weaponized, um, against Brittany and, after Matt uh, gives the rose to Brie and then leaves for the night, Anna actually confronts Brittany in front of all the women and accuses her of being an escort. And Brittany is like, wait, you were telling people that? Like, I... And Brit- and Anna at this point says, that's an awful thing to say about a person, and I apologize, which I think is just, like, the worst possible way. Like, both sort of implying that it's awful to say someone is an escort and claiming to apologize when she's already caused the harm 
So she's like, oh, I just wanted to give you a chance to address why why I was hearing these things about you. Um, great spin, Anna. Yeah, Wonderful. so generous of her, really. Um, and Brittany's like, you know, I'm not an escort. I have had a boyfriend since I was 16, and that's it's really shitty that you would say these things about me when you don't even know me. You can see her, like, almost start to, like, shake and tear up. And she looks yeah. like I you could tell that she was having sort of like a shock trauma response and it was really really hard to watch and she kind of says like look I feel like everyone is against me and and you're drawing conclusions about me before you even know me that's really shitty and Victoria's response to her being like everyone's against me is well, fine, then get out of the house and like laughing at her. Like the level of casual cruelty, it was so difficult for me to comprehend and it made me feel extremely gross. Again, you just get the sense that Victoria is happy, just happy that something like this is being directed at someone else. We get a brief respite from casual cruelty because Michelle gets a one-on-one and the date card says, Michelle... Let's make up for lost time. Obviously, a lot of the other women are displeased with this, but... Too bad. That's how it works. Matt wants to get to know her. If Matt wanted to give you a one-on-one by now, he would have. Um, Instead, he wants to see Michelle. He has planned, or Chris has planned an extreme scavenger hunt for them, which starts with zip lining, and then they do some, like, pop balloons with icebreaker questions. It turns out they both want three kids. Great thing to agree on. Um... And they take a hot air balloon ride, which the this women date can looked watch. so fun. This it looks date really looked fun. awesome. <laughs> and it they both I mean, Michelle seems really fun. Like she seems like a person who's easy to have fun with. Um, and so there's a lot of laughter and and then they head to the night date at a vintage car showroom that apparently just Nima Colon has. I Googled it. It's a thing. Like I sure. Like I didn't know what went on at these kind of places. Um and so They talk about their date and then they start talking about kind of their careers. She's in education and she talks about um, how much she loves making a difference. And again, they get into one of these conversations about like what this year has been like for people of color, for black people. Um, And she talks about like kind of the pandemic and George Floyd and how it's affected her students and how difficult it's been. And how hard it is to not be with them. You know, she talks about how she admires what he's doing with his food tours and like the opportunity gap. And she mentions this quote, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And he says, my Angelou. And she just looks like totally dumbfounded that he recognized the quote and could attribute it and I just love seeing people talk about a writer on this show that isn't like (laughs) whoever wrote the five love languages (laughs) right so this conversation felt like this was another moment when they were like we're the same kind of person yeah what did you guys think of this you know I, I think not dissimilar feelings to what I was expressing before I wish that, um, you know, these conversations weren't so um, weren't so part of the introductory period of of these incredibly prolific um, 
black women who seem to have, um, you know, so much to bring to the table. But um, of course, she's an educator um, in in Minnesota, and so of course had feelings and things to 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 say, and and um, you know, and again, important that we talk about um, these experiences. But as I think about it more, I also do wish that the white women were having conversations with Matt um, too about his blackness, um, because I think that like as we have all um, you know talked about how we are um, you know better allies to the black community and to the black people in our lives, um, particularly white people and non-black people, um, you know how we have to take on the burden of having these conversations. And I think that the white women seem to be kind of exempt from having to address these issues, which I think is a really big problem. And I think that um, in relationships where um, you are, um, you know, uh, are dating somebody of, of a different race, particularly in a relationship where there's um, a black and a white partner, um, these are real um, issues that you have to confront. Um, and I think that, um, again, the, the burden has fallen on the black women to explain, um, you know, how um, this has made them feel and the impact that it's had on them and the emotional burden. And that's a lot. And I think, again, like, um, the white women get to go into these dates and have a great time and talk about, you know, whatever it is that they want to talk about. All right. So the whole Internet just went down, um, but we're back and we're going to try to finish recapping this episode before the day is over. So it does seem like Matt and Michelle do have a really natural connection with each other and uh, they really enjoy their conversation. And I do think overall, I'd like to see more substantive conversations between the lead and all of the contestants on all these seasons. So I, I hope that, that that becomes more part of the show um, as the season goes on. And with that, Matt offers Michelle the rose. They get in a convertible and make out. And then it's on to the final date of the episode. And the date card arrives at the house. It goes to Katie, Piper, Serena P., Rachel, Kit, Chelsea, Jesenia, Lauren, Serena C., and MJ. Are you willing to fight for love? And this, of course, is such a trope of the show. They all know what this means. They're literally going to have to beat the shit out of each other. And none of them looks happy to hear it. The date is actually going to be a boxing date. And they're all going to get in the ring and do a few rounds in front of the other women. Uh, there are no new women on this date, which leads to some more weird comments. Like Serena's like, everyone on the date today is the OGs and we all respect each other, which like you don't respect each other. But I guess now you formed an in-group together against the outsiders and it's all very gross to see how this plays out. Um, so they head into the ring. Wells is there to color commentate. The sure. other women are there watching. Sure. Why not? Why not bring Wells into the bubble? Um, and uh, they start playing out these rounds. And the women are really just hammering each other. There's a lot of tension in the house. Also, they were told to fight each other by boxing in this ring mm -hmm. for Matt's love. And as always, The Bachelor is kind of horrified and shocked by how violent they're being. Eventually, the 
the whole event is called early after Serena P takes a punch kind of between the cushions of her of her head padding directly to the nose and needs an ice pack. And Matt is like, the line has been crossed. We are done here. I will he's not like, who stand. could have seen this coming? Yeah, he's like, it's so weird. It feels like this is a it feels like the like boxing and like physical fighting thing seems to be a reoccurring like oh yeah there seems to be iterations of this on every like season yeah, you know, and Zara sometimes it's just like a sexy violent pillow fight sometimes totally. it's a sexy jello sexy violent jello wrestling sexy violent boxing sexy violent dodgeball the real key is can we get the women into not that much clothing and then encourage them to be violent. That's that's all the requirements. And um, Matt finally pulls the plug. As violent as like ABC will allow too. It's just like America's favorite pastime is adding like a little bit of sprinkle of violence into romance for some exactly. whatever reason. And it's just so bizarre to me that these like educated working women have to like get into, just turn into like, you know, Layla Lee out of nowhere and and just fight other women. It's really, really bizarre to me. And somehow that is supposed to be some sort of testament of character. Um, but uh, that's, that's love. You got to lay it all on the line. Your nose. And we cut right from like that physical violence to even more, you know, mean girl behavior in the house surrounding the uh, new new women who have entered specifically, you know, Victoria and Anna are really fueling this. Victoria has it's like this weird unholy alliance they seem to have formed where they're like, we can both benefit by our individual bad behavior being propped up by the other one. Um, and so they're just like sitting around calling Catalina a dumb hoe and mm. laughing. It's gross and weird and again language that I'm like you're an adult woman who says that yeah at one point we do see Brittany sit down with Katie um and share just how hurt she was that you know Anna accused her publicly of being an escort on this very careless way and Katie's like yeah that's what it's like here women make shit up it's very hard like the environment is bad it's a bad situation the working conditions are poor and uh and she's also like you know matt's probably gonna hear it there are no secrets everyone in the house has heard this already and like if you hope it's not gonna get around like give up hope um so katie is getting fed up with this um you know victoria says like britney is serial killer weird like it's so like there's just very very bad um, and on the night date, uh, it's more, it's more sublimated. They're all with Matt. They're trying to be on their best behavior, expressing how much they want time with him, um, how, you know, they want to open up to him. But then the women who are not with Matt, who are waiting, uh, while someone else is having their one-on-one -on -one time are still continuing this conversation. Um, and... I just found this, like, it's like, do you have anything else to talk about? Like, 
than how much you hate some women who just like circumstantially happen to arrive in a location at a different time than you. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like content free malice. And like MJ and Piper, who I again was really rooting for are just like hanging out being like these new girls don't deserve anything they're ignorant like ignorant of what ignorant of what your life has been like for the last two weeks which like who cares like get over yourself I mean again I I can like understand being annoyed yeah it's annoying and it is a very it is a situation that was clearly constructed by production in order to provoke a crappy reaction so maybe direct your anger into the like the correct place not just you know in this like general spray of viciousness against women who had no control over the situation that they were being put in like it's just it's very gross and I think that it's interesting that Katie is just kind of like listening to this and you can tell that she's getting more and more upset and finally has kind of had enough and is like guys yeah she's like I'd hate to be on their side of this like the digs are getting to be too much we need to like also welcome them like of course we're upset and bothered but like it's not really fair to what their experience is and the other women are like yeah whatever ha 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 um, and so Katie decides it's time to bring it to Matt, the adult in the room. Um, <laughs> and so she heads out to interrupt him. He appears to be with some producers and just tells him there's been a lot of bullying in the house. There are some ruin- rumors being spread that could ruin women's lives. And I'm trying to do what I can, but I can't like really break up the mob mentality that's going on. I think it would be taken more seriously if you addressed it at the next cocktail party. And that is kind of where the action ends for this episode. And, like, the sad thing is that I she's obviously correct. Like, the whole, you know, basically these women are all orbiting around the, you know, promise of love from this one man. And so it's sad that, like, the women advocating for themselves and saying, what you are doing is hurting me, or Katie saying, hey what you are doing is hurting these other women isn't enough. And she's right in her assessment that like ultimately they need to hear from the man who will be deeming them like worthy of his love in order to take, Mm -hmm. you know, treating other women like shit seriously. And like that just, it just sucks. It, it just sucks. And like, I find these dynamics to be so incredibly unpleasant to watch. And I really hope that, next episode this kind of shuts down and and we move on because it's not fun tv it's not and i hope that um matt also steps up um in identifying and naming the thing um because i think that of course you know this is in large part the work of these producers and what they are trying to curate for television but again you know um there is a huge responsibility that comes with being the first black bachelor. And I think that um, it would be really tragic for this to be one of the more toxic seasons and for none of that toxicity to be actually stemming from the actual black folks on the show. (laughs) Um, You know, it, it, it would be, I think a very, very large misstep. So I, I hope that, um, they're able to shift 
quickly because we still are early in the in the show. And so, um, you know, there is an opportunity to make this a positive, uh, you know, and I think inspiring season. But, you know, there are just some some changes that need to be made and need to be made quickly. I think you're right. And, you know, <laughs> we we cautiously hope we are cautiously optimistic that this could turn around. Um, I don't know about and, optimistic, but definitely hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. Optimistic <laughs> was the completely wrong word. I'm actually not optimistic, but I'm yeah, I'm cautiously hopeful. Uh, and Zara, thank you so much for chatting thank about this you. episode with us. There was a lot to get into. And also we had like a full, you know, nationwide Internet outage sort of in the middle. <laughs> so you have really like just uh you got in the trenches with us and we are we are so grateful and thank thank you both for your service to us and talking about this and I I know that a lot of the times that these shows can feel frivolous and not important and a lot of people try to write them off as things that are you know um you know not intellectual and and I think that the fact that there is an hour and a half uh, on Monday night dedicated to um, us talking about dynamics um, of relationships, both romantic and interpersonal and amongst um, each other on full display is very worthy of cultural criticism and critique and conversation. And so thank you guys for doing this work. And yeah, I'm, I'm so honored to be here. Well, thank you. This was having the force of of your intellect join ours. I think it broke the internet, truly. And it was so wonderful (laughs) to have you. I hope we can do it again soon. Thank you so much, y'all. I'll talk to you soon. So before we get into Feminism Fails, I just want to shout out to the beauty of the credit scene uh, between Maggie and Matt. I mean, justice for Maggie. She gets left like floating in a lake this episode and then relegated to the credit scene. We deserve more from her. But I just love that she managed to um, really embarrass Matt on national television by having him perform a TikTok dance without any of the musical cues. It was Yeah, now hot. we know what those TikTok dances look like without music and it it looks like a video game character doing an end zone celebration. Do not recommend. <laughs> so, so let's get into feminism fails. There are a lot of them. So many. This episode was just a disaster, like for for women, really, like a complete disaster. But let's uh, let's address some of the slut shaming, um, sex worker shaming. First, uh, we have Victoria calling Brittany a slore, a slut whore. I'm going to give that just a five. There's absolutely no reason for anyone to be using these words as insults or really at all in 2021. Um, They're incredibly demeaning to women and to sex workers. And then MJ characterizes the women's behavior by saying that the claws are out. We've talked about this before. I hate the this like cat fighting trope. I think it encourages this loop of women uh, being nasty to each other and then, you know, um, characterizing that behavior as something like inherently female. I, I hate to see it. So I'm going to give that one a 
And Victoria has a couple other uh, moments that I'm going to compile here. She calls Brittany slutty again, um, but she also calls Catalina the dumbest hoe I ever met. Um, Again, really demeaning to speak about other women in these terms. Don't do it. Five. And as we've touched on a bunch during the recap, um, Anna sort of kicks off a whole round of sex worker shaming uh, directed at Brittany, you know, kind of going after her for allegedly having a, quote, transactional relationship with wealthy men. Um, You know, this is a five on many levels. It's a five because it encourages um, the narrative that sex work is somehow shameful, that it is somehow, you know, not labor worthy of protection and legitimacy. Uh, And also it's a five because Anna is aware of this stigma and she is weaponizing the stigma against Britney and spreading rumors about her that could have real lasting consequences for this woman's life on national television. And it's just absolutely gross. It's a five. It's more than a five. I hate it so much. Yeah. I mean, we already covered really the most egregious. I mean, I haven't seen an episode in a while that had quite as much egregious behavior in it. Um, that really went against everything about how I believe people should treat women um, and talk about women. Um, but we do want to call out that date, the uh, the boxing date. And again, The Bachelor just falling back on this idea that women uh, on this show need to hurt each other, um, be violent with each other, expose their bodies and be violent with each other. Uh, in order to deserve a man's love and attention. Um, in a way, this is sort of equal opportunity. They do it on The Bachelorette, too. But it is uh, gross and perpetuates this icky um, narrative about heteronormative romance that uh, I find very troubling regardless. So I'm going to give that a four. <laughs> And on that note, that's it for this week's Here to Make Friends. Thanks to our wonderful guest, Zara Rahim, and our producers, Nick Offenberg and Sarah Patterson. Give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Here to Make Friends Pod. And you can follow us individually on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We'll be back next week to recap episode five of Matt James's season of The Bachelor. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. 
Sherry University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.